let's, uh, let's do this. Let's, let's begin in Hebrews 10. You might as well just open your Bible to the book of Hebrews because we're going to look at several passages uh, from Hebrews uh, this morning. Um, but let's begin in Hebrews the 10th chapter and the 14th verse. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 14. Um, I know it's kind of a, a running uh, joke here at Heritage that you know every verse in the Bible is my favorite. Uh, and I do have lots of favorite verses, Old Testament, New Testament. I have favorite verses for, for certain subjects and, and, and things of that nature. But um, I was asked uh, recently... Uh, filling out this information thing and and um, I was asked to uh, commit to my favorite Bible verse and it was hard for me but uh, this is the one that I uh, actually listed uh, at that moment in time and this has been one of my all-time favorites for many many years and um, one because of just what it communicates but but also uh, it it's like so many verses in the Bible it's it's got a lot of truth compacted into uh, one statement. So Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14, it says, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. For by one offering, this is speaking of Jesus, Jesus offering himself, and by one offering, and of course the context of this, comparing the many different offerings that uh, were made uh, by the Old Testament priesthood, the animal sacrifices that they were made, and those offerings were repeated over and over and over again. The point that the Holy Spirit's making through the writer of Hebrews is that the sacrifice Jesus made does not have to be repeated over and over and over again. It was one offering, uh, one sacrifice. Look at some other verses that, that say this specifically, but it was one sacrifice for all sin for all time. So by one offering, he has perfected forever. Now, this word perfect, and that's the word we're going to be uh, looking at today, um, it, it, it carries with it in, in our common vocabulary uh, perhaps something that is, is, not, um, is not being communicated in Scripture. So we've got we to clarify what this word means. The, the word in the Greek is the word teleos, and it has to do with something that is full circle or something that is, that is complete uh, as opposed to something that is lacking or something that is incomplete. And so when it says he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified, he's, he's talking about that he has completed us. He, he has taken something that, that um, was incomplete and completed it, something that was imperfect and perfected it, something that didn't quite measure up uh, and, and because of what Jesus has done for us, it now fully measures. It's a full measure. Now, I want to connect this with a passage that we've been uh, mentioning frequently over the last several weeks, and that's out of Romans 3, where the Bible says because of our sin, we have fallen short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of what God intended for us. We, we've come up short uh, and not measured up uh, to the expectations that, that Father had uh, the intentions that he had uh, for us when he created us. But notice now um, what, what the law couldn't do, what our, our works couldn't do, um, Jesus has done for us as our substitute, and he has perfected forever. Now, that's, 
that word forever there, again, is, is a very important word. And forever means forever. It, it doesn't mean He has perfected uh, us temporarily, uh, but has perfected us permanently. For by one offering He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now, on Wednesday nights, we've been talking about our salvation and, and, and really digging into the Scriptures as to, as to what it means to be born again and, 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 and looking at those things in depth. And, and we've said on Wednesdays that we are a three-dimensional being. Uh, but most people only look at themselves in one dimension as opposed to three dimensions. And there's you know, so many things about life that you'll never understand if you only think in one dimension. And practically everything in the Bible, <laughs> right, you will, be, you will not understand the, the depth of its meaning unless you understand that you are a three-dimensional being, a spirit that possesses a soul that lives inside of a body. So, for instance, this passage right here uh, has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Perfect and complete, um, communicated in this word teleos, full measure, uh, seems to be contradicted by this idea of, of, of needing to be sanctified. The idea of being sanctified um, has to do with an ongoing work in our lives where we are being separated from this world, we are being separated unto our Father, we're being separated from the thinking uh, of this world to, the, to, to thinking like children of God. And we see that the Bible teaches you know, clearly that this is a, a, a work in progress. Sanctification is an ongoing, uh, progressive work in our lives. The renewing of our minds, the reconditioning of our minds. Uh, think about it in your own life, in your own growth, uh, in your walk with the Lord. Um, hopefully, there are things uh, you know, today uh, that are easier for you than perhaps they were six months or, or six years ago. Um, hopefully, uh, some of the sin that you struggle with uh, in the past, uh, you don't struggle with anymore or as much as you did in the past. Again, this is, this is growing up into Jesus. This is talking about spiritual growth. This is the progressive work of sanctification. And of course, again, what we've been learning and will continue to, to, to dig into on Wednesday nights is, the, is that sanctification part, that, that separation part, is not taking place in our spirit. That's, a, that's already happened. Uh, but it's taking place in our, in our soul, the part of us that thinks and feels and chooses, and then ultimately in our behavior. So again, you'll never understand this verse if you only think in one dimension. You have to think in three dimensions to understand uh, that you have been perfected forever and are being sanctified. Right. So the part of you that's been perfected forever is your spirit. And then your soul and, and ultimately your behavior, your flesh, uh, is a continual or ongoing work in progress. Now, for by one offering He has perfected forever. Let's, let's go back to, to last week, and there's a couple of key points that I really feel compelled to, just to keep reminding you of, and so we're going to do that here in just a second. But some of the things that we looked at last week, for that matter, going all the way back um, to Easter and even before Easter, uh, we were talking about that grace really is amazing. And, and we said that uh, something that's amazing means that it overwhelms you with wonder. Uh, and there are a lot of people who uh, do not really fully you know, <laughs> have this idea of an over overwhelming uh, grace. In other words, 
something that goes beyond what you think uh, is logical or, or, or rational. But obviously something that overwhelms you with wonder is something that goes beyond anything that you can comprehend. And certainly the Bible says this. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think, um, so forth and so on. We're not going to try to review uh, all those uh, sermons. Um, but then last week we looked at the passage in 1 John 4 where the Bible says that we have known and believed the love that God has for us. And, and in Ephesians he talks about the full dimension of God's love goes beyond our ability to comprehend. So even for those of us who have grown in our understanding of the magnitude and the vastness of God's love for us, it's greater still. Um, and, and of course, you know, in Romans and throughout some of the writings of Paul, the Holy Spirit emphasized this, this concept of how much more, how much more, how much more, right? Jesus even used the, that expression, if, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more? So many times we, you know, our, our, our understanding of the love of God is based upon what we've experienced in the flesh. But remember, if, if human beings can love and forgive, how much more uh, does our Father love and forgive and have that capacity? And so in 1 John 4, he says, we have known and believe the love that God has for us. This is something that, that we have to choose to activate our faith uh, and belief. So, again, I know we're piling a lot of things up on the table, but, you know, to just come out of the gates and tell you that you've been perfected forever and expect you to believe it, amen, uh, is, 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 a, is a bit daunting for some folks. But this is exactly what Jesus has done for us. He has perfected you forever, amen. Uh, if we go all the way even back to, to uh, our teaching out of Galatians, um, where we see that Jesus has qualified us uh, for the blessing. He became a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. And, re and remember we said that, that justified, you have to be justified before God in order to be qualified for fellowship with Him and to be blessed by Him. If, if you're... In other words, our sin separated us from that fellowship and from the Father's ability to bless us. So Jesus came as that beautiful solution, a beautiful solution to our sin problem, so that He could qualify us to have fellowship with our Father and to also be blessed by our Father. And we said in that, in that teaching, again, I'm trying to give you some bite-sized things to hang on to, to remember, to, to meditate upon. But remember we said... Uh, if justified equals qualified, then temporarily justified means temporarily qualified, but to be permanently justified means that we are permanently qualified. Permanently qualified for fellowship with the Father and to be blessed. Uh, I hope you remember these things, and I don't mind reminding you of them, because to me there's you know, cornerstone truths that, that we need to build our daily walk and understanding Daily walk with the Lord and understanding of, of His love and grace uh, for us. So, when we talk about this being permanently justified, uh, this, that, that there's, it's not an on-again, off-again relationship that Father desires to have with us, but He wants permanent fellowship with us. Uh, a, a situation to where our, our committing a sin or making a mistake or what, or what have you doesn't separate us uh, from fellowship with Him, but allows that fellowship to continue. So, let's do a quick review. Amen? 
Father God. And these are things that He desires. Um, we looked at it in, in Isaiah and Jeremiah for Father God through the prophets was saying that He would blot out your transgression for His own sake. That this was not just something He was doing to benefit you, but it was something He was doing uh, to, to, to provide benefit for Himself. Right? Something that would fulfill a desire He has in His heart that our sin evidently was preventing from, from happening. So He didn't just do it for your sake, but He did it for His sake, for His benefit as well. And so these were some of the desires that we said by way of review. Father God desires to treat you like sin never happened. He desires to treat you like sin never happened. Father God desires for all of His children to be like Jesus to Him. He desires for all of His children to be like Jesus to Him. Father God desires for all of His children to have the same access to Him as Jesus. Father God desires for all of His children to have the same fellowship with Him as Jesus. And if you're, if you're new to this live stream and haven't been with us over the last few weeks, some of this may seem ex, you know, very extreme to you, um, but in each one of these we've gone into the Scriptures uh, to provide uh, you know, biblical foundation for this. Uh, some of you know I, I like to listen to Brother Keith Moore, and, and he has a, a simple way of saying something that, uh, that just you know, really sticks with me. He says, you know what you got to have for something to be scriptural, don't you? He says, you got to have some scripture. Amen. If something's going to be biblical, you got to have some Bible. Amen. And we got Bible, lots of Bible on all of these things. We're just, again, capturing them and to, to, to review them. So Father God desires for all of His children to have the same fellowship with Him as Jesus. And then Father God desires for all of His children to be blessed like Abraham was blessed. We said that Abraham was the gold standard of blessing. But Father God does not want him to be an anomaly. doesn't want him to be a rarity. But He desires for you and me to be blessed like Abraham was blessed. And so the completed work of Jesus provides a permanent solution. That's what we're building on now. That, that you have, that His one offering has perfected you forever, has perfected me forever. The completed work of Jesus provides a permanent solution to the sin that separated us from all that Father God desires for us. In other words, sin became an obstacle. Not just one that we couldn't overcome uh, to enjoy the riches of our Father's grace, but it became, our sin became an obstacle to Him that He had to find a solution for. Amen? So again, not just for your sake that He blotted out your transgression, but for His own sake as well. And blotted out doesn't mean cover over, but mean means to erase and remove altogether so that even if someone looks to find it, it's nowhere to be found. And then on top of this, amen, it just gets better and better. The same God who blotted out all of your sin, not just, not just and this is where we were last week, not just the sin that you've committed up to this point in your life, He blotted out all of it. Past sin, present tense sin, future tense sin. He blotted it all out. And the Bible says that He now no longer imputes. He no longer uh, ascribes. He no longer keeps a record. He no longer uh, connects uh, you with your sin. It has been removed from you, remember, prophetically through uh, the psalmist. It has been removed from you as far as the east is from the west. Okay? Um, there's no, there's no uh, est pole. There's no west pole. There's no east pole. There's a north pole and a south pole. And you can measure the distance between those two. But when we're talking about east and west, 
the, the further you go east, the further west comes. So it's, what he's literally saying here is that one can never catch up with the other. The distance can't even be measured. This is how far He has removed, taken our sin from us. Well, that's good news. So for by one offering He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Before we dig into some of these verses, go ahead and turn over with me to Hebrews 7. But let's, I guess, let me try to share my heart with you where I am and all this. I guess personally and where I feel like the Holy Spirit's trying to, to bring each one of us. It's, it's not enough, and as important as it is for us to hear these things, it's not enough for us just to hear them, maybe take some notes about them, and never connect with these things personally. It's, it's kind of like what we were talking about on, on Wednesday night with our being raised up together with Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul uh, says pointedly to each one of us, reckon yourselves to be resurrected. In other words, he's saying you've got to connect with this personally. You've got to identify with this personally. You've got to, you've got to let this change the way you see yourself. You've got, to, you've got to let this change what you think about yourself. You, you've got to allow this, this new truth, this new information to reprogram the way you respond and, and the way you think and, and, and what you believe uh, is true about you and based upon what you believe to be true about you, what you believe you're capable of, of, of doing and accomplishing. You remember, and this is where I've been during um, this uh, coronavirus season. I've, I've got, I don't know how many pages of notes and, and things I've been writing about this. But you, if we go back um, to when Adam and Eve sinned, God, as was His normal routine, uh, He comes in the cool of the evening to fellowship with them. And because they've sinned and they're sin-conscious and self-conscious, they not only hide from one another, they hide from God. God asked Adam, where, where are you? God knew where he was. He, he was giving him an opportunity to repent. He was, he, yeah, I'm not here to teach on all that. But ultimately, um, he says, I, Adam says, I hid because I was naked. And God says, who told you you were naked? Who told you? Now, where, where did you get this information? Because what we have... In, in the, in the uh, history of mankind, the brief history of mankind on planet earth, for the first time we have a human being believing something true about themselves that did not come from God. God did not tell him this. So Adam has allowed thoughts in his mind that not only didn't come from God, but weren't the truth as far as what God says to be true about, about Adam or about, about you and me. So now, Fast forward all the way to where we are right now, uh, May the 17th, 2020, right? We've got so many things in our minds, things that we believe to be true about ourselves, things that we believe to be true about our abilities, our, you know, our limitations, or, or what have you, things that did not come from God. In other words, I, I think you know, if, if we would begin to listen very carefully to the Holy Spirit, um, many times throughout the course of our day and week, you know, he's trying to ask you, who, who told you you couldn't do that? Who told you you couldn't have that raise? Who told you you couldn't get that house? Who, who told you? Uh, because again, the, 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 the point of the question 
is that, that, that Father God is saying, you're, you're believing things and saying things and confessing things over your life and family and children that, that God never said. Right? He didn't say you couldn't. He said you could do all things through Christ which strengthens you. Who told you you were sick? The Bible says you're healed. Who, who told you these things? And, and why are we believing those people over our Creator Father? Right? So, now, if you can understand that, that concept of truth, that vein of truth, right? now, now we're coming to, to this point of believing what, what the, the, believe the love. We've known and believed the love that God has for us. And believing these things, connecting with them, that He has perfected you forever. Right? Those who are being sanctified. Now, Hebrews chapter 7. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 7. Let's begin at verse 23. It says, Also there were many priests, because they were prevented by death from continuing. But He, Jesus, because He continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Notice, again, the temporary nature of the Old Testament priest who prevented by death from continuing compared to the, the permanent, the, the, the forever, the eternal priesthood of Jesus. Because He continues forever, He has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. And remember, this word uttermost means completely, thoroughly, forever. So He is able to save completely, thoroughly, forever those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. I know sometimes you know, our Bible reading plans can get bogged down in, in, in Exodus and Leviticus and, and, uh, and you know, certain places where you know, in other words, it may not be as life-giving to you as Ephesians chapter 2. Okay? But one of the things... One of the things that becomes very clear to me um, in, in all of those rituals and washings and, 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 and the precise clothing and the precise uh, incense and the precise oil and, and, and all of these things, right? It, these were things that, that, that Father God designed uh, for, for an Old Testament priest to subject, subject himself to uh, ceremonial washings, ceremonial cleansings. None of these things actually cleansed, actually did away with the sin, but it was something that God allowed on a, on a temporary basis, right, uh, for, a, for a man to jump through all of those hoops and follow all of that you know, elaborate checklist you know, to a T uh, so that he could present himself before God and, and present that animal blood before God uh, for, again, a temporary covering uh, for the people. Our high priest, Jesus, He didn't have to do all of that, right? Um, notice, He was fitting for us because He's holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. Who does not need daily as those high priests 
to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Alright? Now, notice that the high priest of the Old Testament, they had to offer up sacrifices for their own sins. Okay, Jesus, remember, He lived a sinless life. Okay? They had to offer sacrifices for their own sins, and then once they offered the sacrifice for their sin, they would then offer the sacrifice for the people's sins. And notice, again, emphasizing the word daily. Why, why did this have to be done daily? Because people sin every day. And, and so, you know, whatever sacrifices were offered on Monday, uh, a new sacrifice had to be offered on Tuesday. And then people would send some more, and you'd have to offer another sacrifice on Wednesday. Then people would send some more, and you'd have to offer another sacrifice on Thursday. It had to be done and repeated daily, daily, daily. Right? That, was, that was their understanding of, of blood sacrifice for sin. Jesus, on the other hand, He comes uh, holy, blameless, right, separate from sinners, higher than the heavens. He didn't need to offer daily for His sins and then for the people's. But this He did once for all when He offered up Himself. Now, here we are back to this once for all. One sacrifice for all sin, for all time. <clears throat> this, sometimes we use this example, okay? The example of a roadblock. Uh, Three-lane interstate, two lanes blocked because of construction, traffic backed up ten miles. Um, and we just creep along. You know, sometimes it's like a parking lot. But then if we can ever clear that choke point, um, it's pedal to the metal. We got very little traffic on the road past that point, and we can make a lot of progress in a hurry. All right? Now, if you can understand that concept with vehicular traffic, okay, uh, I want you to think about it in terms of your spiritual growth. Because there are certain choke points that people get stuck. They, 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 they can't seem to get past you know, certain things in their, in their heart and their minds and, and, and their faith. And because of that, their spiritual growth uh, slows or even becomes stagnant. And, and this is one of those choke points. The idea that Jesus is one sacrifice for all sin for all time. This is how He was able to take sin away and put it away forever. Take it away, put it away forever so that your sin, my sin, is no longer a factor. And we see then that if He was one sacrifice for all sin for all time, this means that He paid for our sin past, present, and future. Meaning that Jesus has already paid the penalty for sin that I haven't committed yet. If, if I sin June 23rd, again, that's 
more than a month away. Jesus has already paid for that sin and put it away. One sacrifice for all sin for all time. There, you see, for some reason, it's... it's and, and think about it, I was trying to... ask the Lord, Lord, help me because there's other things that we're going to build on this, but we've got to get this part nailed down in our hearts and minds and thinking first, okay? Because again, if we don't, we can never get past this and it prevents us from making the progress that's, you know, on beyond uh, this truth. It's one of those levels that if it's never put in place, you can't build into your life an understanding and growth um, of what's next. So think with me for a moment, all right? And this is, this is one of the ways I think the Holy Spirit tried to help me, you know, is helping me communicate this. Um, it's one thing to believe that Father God loves you enough to forgive you for the sin that you've committed up until this point, right? In other words, it, that's, that's, that's pretty amazing mercy and grace, right? Uh, think back over all the sin that you've committed in your life up to this point, and He loved you enough to forgive you for every sin that you've committed from uh, this point backwards. May 17th, 2020. Um, I'm 53 and almost a half years old now. All right, so, so, you know, every sin for 53 and a half years, you know, from my early childhood up until this point, my Heavenly Father has loved me enough to forgive me for all of that sin. All right? So there's a lot of people, they, you know, it's amazing. They, 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 they glory in that. They thank God for that. They're thankful for that. They, they accept that, they believe that, and, and embrace that, and, and, and again, are, uh, you know, uh, blessed because of that. What's the word I'm looking for here? Right. Well, how much harder then is it for you to believe that He actually loves you more than that? That He doesn't just love you enough to forgive you for the sin that you have committed up to this point, but that He actually loves you so much and that Jesus uh, you know, paid such a price for you that He didn't just pay for the sin that you've committed up until now, but that He's paid for every sin you will ever commit your entire lifetime. See, that's, that's one sacrifice for all sin for all time. This is how He is able to perfect you forever. This is how He is able to put you in a position, as it says in 1 John, that because His seed abides in your spirit, that not only do you not sin, but that you cannot sin. He's put you in a position where you cannot sin. How, how is that? Again, you know what you got to have for something to be biblical, right? you got to have some Bible on it. And this is what the Bible says. I'm not making this up, right? How, how is it that he can put you in, a, in such a completed state that, that you can't sin, that you're perfected forever. You see, th- this is the price that He's paid. This is, this is the grace that He's given. This is the love that He has demonstrated. And this is the work. If you think I'm a nut and never believe it, and I, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck here, if you think I'm a nut and never believe it and, and, and say that I'm wrong, you're going to get to heaven one day and find out You've been perfected forever since the day you received for yourself what Jesus did for you in His sinless life, His death on the cross, His burial, ascension into death, hell, and the grave, His resurrection, 
descension rather into death, hell, and the grave, his resurrection and ascension to the right hand throne of our heavenly Father. Amen. All right, a few more minutes. Everybody good? All right, now, we're gonna, we'll have to finish this next week. I, um, I told somebody earlier, they asked me, they said, you, you, you ready to preach? I said, you know, I'm, I am. The only reason I've got my face in these notes is I'm trying to figure out what we're going to have time for today and what we're not going to have time for um, and have to put off to next week. I want to, let's, let's do this. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22. So we'll go to the, almost the end of, of the book of Hebrews and we'll look, at a, we'll look at a verse there and then we'll go back to the beginning and those, those are going to act like bookends, uh, brackets. And, uh, and then we'll come back next week and we're going to fill in the middle. All right? Now, Hebrews chapter 12 um, and verse number 22. says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. All right, look at me for a minute. We could have read 20 verses right here, just jumped in, but as is the pattern for most of the book of Hebrews, we have yet another comparison to who we are and what we've been given with who they were and what they were given. And by they, I mean Old Testament believers. And we see that we were not called to Mount Sinai where God met with them and the fire and the smoke and the mountain began to melt and His voice thundered and they were afraid. He says that we did not come to Sinai, we've come to Zion, right? To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. So he's talking about you right now. To, the, to, the God, to God, the judge of all, look at this next phrase, to the spirits of just men made perfect. The spirits of just, just as if I'd never sinned, men made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Remember, Jesus' blood cries out for us. Abel's blood, innocent blood spilled by Cain, cried out for judgment, for justice, for vengeance. Jesus' blood does not cry out uh, vengeance and judgment. His blood was the vengeance the judgment, the justice, so that the scales of justice are not only balanced, but tipped in our favor. Now, <clears throat> let's go to um, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10, and then and we'll finish right here. We'll just make, read these verses and make a couple of points. So you notice the end of Hebrews says that we have come to 
The Spirit, among other things, lots of beautiful, wonderful things. And among those, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. So notice now we've gone all the way back, almost to the beginning of the book of Hebrews. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. Bringing many sons to glory. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Now, when it says to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings, this is never meant to imply Jesus was imperfect. But his his suffering is what made you and me perfect. Let me, let, me, let me try to say this another way. <clears throat> Jesus, the Bible says, could have called uh, legions of angels to come and sweep Him away. Uh, in other words, He did, he did not... Um, ha- how to say this? He did not have to go to the cross. He he willingly, voluntarily did uh, what he did for us. He um, he could have said no. He could have, um, you know, again just said enough of all this. I'm out of here. Um, and we would not have been. Um, we would not have. We would not be saved today. In other words, let me, let me simplify this. I apologize for um, stumbling around on this. Let's just say, you know, Paul used the uh, example, if Christ be not risen. Not saying that he didn't raise from the dead, but he's saying to emphasize the importance of resurrection, he's, he's, making, he's making the point, you know, if Jesus isn't, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then this, 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 and this is, is, is what's true, and none of that is good. All right. Now, if we take that even back further, let's say Jesus, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, but chose not to suffer for us. Okay? Chose not to go to the cross for us. Him being born of a virgin and living a sinless life would not have been enough to save us. Because it was on the cross where all of our sin, He became our sin on that cross and nailed our sin to His cross, paying for that, redeeming us uh, from our sin. So when it says, the captain of our salvation perfect, remember that word there means complete, full measure, full circle. The captain of our salvation was made perfect, complete, through suffering. Because He suffered, because He suffered, we now have salvation. For both He who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified. Notice there's a tie-in here between uh, chapter 2, verse 11, and chapter 10, verse 14. Has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now, the word I'm wanting to point out, and, and we'll look at it, uh, in several more verses next week, is this word perfect? Is this word perfect? 
the captain of our salvation was made perfect through sufferings. For instance, chapter 5, verse 9 says, having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation. So because his suffering was complete, because his suffering was perfected, he is able to offer to you and me not temporary salvation, but eternal salvation. So, for instance, there are verses that say the law made nothing perfect. There are verses in Hebrews that, that say the Levitical priesthood was imperfect. Yet, Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice, as the perfect uh, priest, and because of His eternal uh, life, we have eternal redemption. There's all these verses that, again, lay the biblical foundation for us to really begin to believe uh, some awesome things to be true uh, about our lives and about our future. Amen? All right, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you for the things that you're helping us lay hold of. Thank you, Father, for the, uh, the truth concerning what Jesus has done for us. And, Father, for your Holy Spirit who's helping us see ourselves in light of that truth. Father, the, the, so many songs today talk about our brokenness. And, and so many songs today where they're called Christian songs, but they almost sound like a pity party, Father. And, and, and it's so important for us to realize that, that we don't have to offer a broken hallelujah but we can from the spirit of a just man made perfect, Lord, offer to you a, a whole and complete hallelujah because you have made us whole and complete. Father, the enemy is the one who wants us to see ourselves as not measuring up, not being good enough, broken, empty, uh, feeble, uh, losers. But Father, I thank you that that's not who we are. That is not who you made us. That's not who you recreated us to be in Christ Jesus. And I pray that you would help us, Father, lay hold of these truths and begin to recognize that we have been permanently justified and because of that we are permanently qualified to have fellowship with you and to be blessed by you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. All right, you be blessed. We'll be back together on Wednesday night, live streaming at 7 o'clock, next Sunday morning, together in person here at 10.30. Good things coming.